welcome to Behind the Sofa. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Behind the Sofa where we review the top 100 horror movies of all time. My name's Ollie. And I'm Kirsty. How you doing? I'm good. I'm pretty excited that we've been discussing the possibility of a giveaway sometime soon. Can I win the giveaway? No. Oh. <laughs> well, I guess uh, I'll just have to live with the fact that the person that wins it will be excited. That'll have to do. I love getting presents, you know me. I'm the absolute child when it comes to getting presents. Yeah, I, I, I have to give him presents on my own birthday. That's not actually true, but I could totally see <laughs> it that It could happening. almost be true. It could now absolutely you put the, be true. Now you put the kernel of that idea in my head, I might start uh, insisting that that is the case. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, um, we're going to be doing a giveaway. So the best way to get involved with that giveaway is to go over to Instagram uh, and follow us at Behind the Sofa Podcast. Uh, and I'm sure we'll be able to link to it through Facebook and everything as well, mm-hmm. won't we? Can people enter on Facebook? Or? Um, I don't know. We haven't quite decided yet, but Instagram is definitely where it's at right now. So uh, it's all about the get, Instagram. Get on the gram. Um, Can't believe yeah. I just said that. Yeah, I know you're. Sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> a total, total lame-o. Um Yeah, uh, I think we should just get straight into it. Okay. Now this one was one of the ones when we were going through the list at the beginning where I thought, I don't know. I don't know about this. Mm. Because, as Kirsty and I said before, our knowledge or, you know, our appreciation of, like, horror movies, I'd say even, like, pre-70s, mm-hmm. is very, very limited. 60s, 70s, I reckon, is probably the earliest we would go, so... Yeah. Um, and even then, there's no real reason for it. I mm. just have never found myself digging any further back than that mm. now i know a lot of people are pretty screaming <laughs> in their car or wherever the hell they're listening to this yeah, don't like, crash yeah, don't please. crash calm down not Everyone's my, fine. i'm not worth it i really am not worth it um <laughs> uh save that rage for something more productive um but yeah uh even when i just think of the films you know that go back further than that like mm-hmm. king kong and like all the classic like universal monsters I have seen none of them, mm. and I feel deep, deep shame. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So when we're talking about today's film, which is Todd Browning's *The Unknown*, which is from 1927, mm-hmm. uh, this has got to be the earliest horror movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I've not even seen like the original Nosferatu, even when I was in like film school. It's on the list. Yeah, so yeah, we'll so, get around to it. Yeah, so I mean, this is the earliest one that we've done so far, but um, I don't think it's the oldest that we have on the list. So we will be like digging deep into the history of horror, which is kind of what we wanted to do by yeah, definitely. Doing this. I think when so, we, I think when Kirsten and I came up with the idea for the podcast, we were talking about how. Um, we wanted to kind of fill in the gaps in our knowledge because I would always say to people oh I love horror movies and then when you actually look you know at the history and you know the the breadth of the the genre I'd be like oh man maybe I don't know as much as I Mm. as I think I do so getting to watch movies like this something that I would never you know if I saw it pop up on a on a Netflix or Shudder or something like that I would never say Oh yeah, let's let's chuck on that black and white silent movie from the nineteen twenties. <laughs> um, that's just not how my, my mind works. So maybe now, 
it will change our minds. So go on, Kirsty, tell us about the unknown. Okay, well, this is uh, number 88 on the list. As Ollie said, it came out in 1927. Um, you can actually watch the entire thing. Because this was one when uh, we first started putting the podcast and the website together. Uh, so if you go to uh, tinyurl.com slash behind the sofa vision, if we can find uh, the movies online or at least the trailers, we will put them up on our site for you to be able to watch. So you can watch along with us as much as possible. Um, before we came up with that idea we were um, uh, using it as uh, we could direct you to places where you could buy them on DVD or Blu-ray and this was one of the only ones in fact I think it might have been the only one that didn't actually have a DVD or Blu-ray release so we couldn't find it anywhere uh, where we could direct people to buy it so we were just going to go right we'll put this one up online because we can find it online and then we ended up doing it with all of them but um, you can also go to yeah, tinyurl.com slash watch the unknown and watch the entire film. Or the, when we say entire film, it's not actually the entire film. Because while it came out in 1927, it didn't actually get found until like the 1960s, I believe. Uh, 1968, so it was lost for a very, very, very long time. And then they found it in France, and the only reason that they uh, it took them so long to be able to find it is because in this vault full of cans of film uh, in France, they had loads of them, and they were all labelled. And I apologise for my uh, French pronunciation here, but uh, they were labelled "l'inconnu," which means unknown in French. So this ah, was so tucked like a, away. So it's like a various artist thing on, yeah. your, on your on your iPod. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, but this is actually like what we've got here, like if you were to go on Google and search for this, it comes up saying that it's three hours and a minute long, which is not true. Uh, I have no idea why Google tells us that that is it, but it's actually less than an hour. Um, and there's around 14 minutes at the beginning of the film, which is completely missing and no one's been ever been able to find it, which goes into uh, the backstory of Lon Chaney's character, who we'll delve into a bit longer and about his uh, criminal history and stuff. So it would have been quite cool yeah, to that see that, cool. but it's kind of hidden away. But yeah, so there's a lot of like mystery and like interesting things about this film. So yeah. First thing to say, mm-hmm. music, terrible. Yes. Terrible music. Yes. Really anachronistic, yeah. um, which is a... A word I've been busting out a lot recently. So it's good it's word, good, good word. Um, the so the version that we've watched is like a nineteen seventy something Redux ninety seven. No, it's uh nineteen. The the film is nineteen twenty seven. They then sort of restored it, and it has a new score which was done for it in nineteen ninety seven. So okay. some of it yeah, works. That's it. Some of it works because you've got you know like real like uh, building up of dread with like big drums like timpani drums and stuff and then you've got some which is quite obviously like garage band piano over the top of it which just does not work well with it at all yeah it just um for me i wish it was kind of like more in keeping with the time Mm. you know i mean there are sounds that you think that sound would not have existed in 1927 yeah Uh, so i wish that i think it's in ted ted turner it was done yeah, by Turner. T- yeah, T- yeah, Ted Turner has like a real terrible history of like going back and like colorizing movies and stuff, doesn't he? Just like yeah, just stop. Leave it be. Yeah, TCM. The color's missing. It's you know, it's obvious that's not actually what TCM stands for, but <laughs> I like to think it does. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is the first black and white movie. It's the first silent movie. I don't really know a lot about silent film and stuff, but I actually did really enjoy this. Um, we're going to be jumping around a little bit rather than going through the story because the story is. 
fairly simple. I mean, we can literally do, I could summarize it in like 30 seconds do for it. this film. Okay. So, um, we meet um, Alonzo the Armless Wonder, uh, who is uh, in love with Nanon, played by Joan Crawford. Um, who and they work together in a circus, and he is, uh, you know, he he loves her, and she is uh, disgusted by the fact that she's been like poured at and grabbed at by men for so long that she just recoils from men touching her, um, which is quite disturbing in its own way, anyway. Um, and then, uh, yeah, he's like Alonzo, Lon Chaney's character is desperately in love with her and would do anything to have her. And then you've got... Um, and we really do mean anything. Yeah, literally anything. <laughs> you will learn this later. Um, and then uh, you have Malabar, who is the uh, circus strongman, who's just like a goofy, lovable guy who really likes her as well, but doesn't know that she has this, you know, disgust of the human touch. Um, and is trying desperately to be polite and kind and everything. Um, Alonso thinks that he's in with a chance, and then uh, you suddenly discover that he isn't actually the armless wonder. Plot twist! He does have arms. <laughs> is is <laughs> is he has arms like the 1920s version of uh, Luke? I am your father, yeah. or like I see <gasps> dead people. Like oh my god. <laughs> Yeah. That man has arms! Oh my god! <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we learn that he is actually uh, running from the law, and so he's pretending that he is this uh, armless wonder guy. But when he takes it off, you discover that he actually has two thumbs on one hand, which is a bit creepy, but obviously a real big calling card if they were looking, if the police are out looking for someone. So um, he gets discovered by uh, Nanon's father, who's also the ringmaster. Uh, as as a fraud uh, and kills him but she sees she doesn't see his face but she sees her father being strangled by a man who's got two thumbs on one hand um, he then uh, decides that if he is going to have her she would not understand if he suddenly turned up with arms oh look they regrew yeah, they do that <laughs> you'll some, never guess they do that sometimes you know it's crazy um but yeah, so he goes through the decision of really quickly deciding that it's a great idea for him to uh, have his arms surgically removed. Um, and then in the meantime, while you're seeing him dealing with all of this, you see uh, Nanon and Malabar becoming closer and closer and she suddenly realises that she was being silly um, and uh, they fall in love really quickly and decide to get married really quickly. I don't know if that's don't like a like film back, thing or a 20s thing. I feel like a 20s thing. I okay. feel like back in the day, you literally just have to have one half decent date where, <laughs> you know what I mean, he didn't headbutt you or throw <laughs> up on you. And then you'd be like, well, I guess we're getting married now. Yep. I feel like that's yeah, all do. it took. You'll do. You're fine. Um, so, so yeah, he then comes back from recovering um, from having his arms surgically removed, uh, only to discover that... Um, Nanon and Malabar are now in love and getting married and um, then he uh, attempts to kill Malabar in a way that I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later mm. um, and uh, yeah then uh, ends up dying from protecting uh, Nanon from uh, yeah from a from a, a terrible fate and uh, yeah so he just puts him puts his life on the line for her but yeah, so that's that's essentially it. Um, 
So apologies if you haven't watched it yet. <laughs> Just literally got through the entire thing. But... People, people know now that yeah. this is a spoiler-filled podcast. It totally is. First hot take. Yeah. Alonzo the Armless is Johnny Depp's fashion inspiration. Oh, yes. He wears that big wide-brimmed hat and yeah. scarves are plenty. Yeah. More scarves that you can shake an armless wonder at. I love that. There is uh, I love a scarf. You know I love a scarf. Yeah, so there it is works a... for me. <laughs> but yeah, there's some serious uh, Johnny Depp vibes going on <laughs> to uh, to Lon Chaney's character. Um, second hot take. Mm. To be a strong man in the 1920s, you didn't have to be that strong. You could be like this skinny, <laughs> that tall dude was like, guy. I could, I could be a strong man if that guy was a strong man. He yeah. was just like some normal-looking dude. Yeah, but that was the thing. He just I puffed think... his chest out. That's literally all it was. It's, it's true. Like, he had well... like well bandy little arms, but I don't know whether it was meant to be. They were just like, okay, we've we've got this actor. We can just say that he's a strong man, uh, rather than actually getting like a real beefy guy, because um, that would he think... would seem much more. Um, uh, what's the word? Like he'd seem more threatening, I think, if he was like a big, strong guy. He wouldn't seem like a soft. I just don't like think there soft... were giant, big, strong men back in the twenties. They're I think all if a bit could, malnourished. I think if you didn't have gout and you could get up the stairs without having a heart attack, then oh, I think you, you were, were a heartthrob. Yeah, exactly. It was wow. like, oh my god, that guy won the Olympics. Totally hot. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, I think Joan Crawford's amazing. Uh, I thought she was really, really good, considering that like she'd she'd only been in a few like bit parts up until this point, and I think maybe like one movie before this. But she said that working with Lon Chaney, who is like you know he was known as like the man of a thousand faces, that was mostly because of the makeup, but I think also the fact that he could do these incredible facial expressions because so much of it is based like you know now the emotions are are often brought through uh voice and you know in this it was literally so much of it was just purely based on like the the expressions on his face and some of them i i thought he was great yeah i think he had that good balance between um really like mugging you know what i mean mm. so like oh what was me there was a lot of that mm. but also there was some nice subtlety yeah. um and when you can't use your voice to kind of convey any kind of uh, emotion mm. or character um then your facial expressions become so important so i think and that, he's really good at it yeah my god really, really good at it. was incredible yeah like there well, were some really really cool moments in the movie yeah um super intense uh he has a real kind of stare to him which yes. I, which is deeply deeply creepy yes um, that's why he's great but like yeah joan crawford said that like up until then obviously like 1920s the the girls in films were very much like you know the damsel in distress or the girl standing there looking pretty and she said that um this film was a real turning point for her because she um got to see the difference between and this is the quote that she used she said she got to see the difference between standing in front of a camera and acting in front of a camera yeah. and it was purely because of Lon Chaney and the amount of concentration that he took to get into the mindset and mm. stuff of the of the character and she really saw that and then just put it in and then from like this was 1927 from 1928 onwards she was a star like all the girls loved her and wanted to be her like you know and I think this like this really was like a turning point in her career did Lon Chaney have to like learn how to use his feet to do ah uh, it's not actually him what it's not him 
I really, I was kind what, of they're sad. Like someone else's feet. Yep. No way. Yes. He had a foot double. Yes. Oh man! <laughs> Does that make you sad? Oh Hollywood, you've tricked me again! Damn you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was actually uh, a guy who was like a real-life armless wonder. Um, his name is Paul Demuc. Um, he, I'm sure he must be like, guys, less than the armless wonder. Yeah. I'm, uh, I don't know if I'm really into this. My name's, I didn't. I didn't actually. My, 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 my name is my, my name's Bill. Come on. His name's Paul. Oh, okay. Paul, <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, so uh, D E S M U K E is his surname, so I'm saying it's Demuk, but that yeah. does sound kind of fun. Um, but yeah, so anytime you see like the legs and the feet, uh, like manipulating objects and stuff in front of Lon Chaney, is actually it's actually this other oh, guy. Man. But it's it's amazing. No one I mean, wears I... so many giant scarves and capes. Yeah, so he's just literally like sitting there. But um, yeah, you you get to see like I jotted down everything, so you get to see um, him. Uh, put a cigarette in his mouth with his with his, all, all of this with his toes and with his feet um so put a uh, cigarette in, fact, in his in mouth fact, that makes it kind of gross <laughs> when you really think about it it makes it super gross it's like some guy has to put his stinky feet in Lon Chaney's face every time he wants to smoke a cigarette yep Mm. So yeah, so feet uh, used. Yeah, if you're to... not if you're not into feet, this is not the movie yeah, for you. Sorry, if you are into feet, then uh, yeah, good then, on you. You yeah. know, just uh, do do what you do. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you get to see him uh, put a cigarette in his mouth, light the cigarette with a match, um, strum a guitar, uh, drink out of a wine glass, like holding the stem between his toes. Um, yeah, there's there's so much stuff. Step I think I jotted cake. it down. Yeah, um, so it's just yeah. Step, what did he do? Step, step on some. Cake. <laughs> no, we're not doing cake stepping. It's so wrong. Um, yeah, like pinching the bridge of his nose, like um, in, like you would if you you know like was stressed and you had a headache and you were pinching the bridge of your nose. He does that with his feet. Um, drinking out of a cup, uh, throwing blades, and firing a gun, which is the the first time that you get to see him and and Nanon like doing their performance together. So. Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, like, it's 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 really incredible. And there's one point as well where he's sitting thinking, and like you would like sit there and sort of you know like twiddle your thumbs or yeah, like, like you know like, like your yeah like tent your hands or whatever. He's like rubbing his big toes together, like like holding them like hands and rubbing them. And it's yeah, it's so strange. But like I couldn't stop watching. Do you know mm. what I mean? You yeah, couldn't stop looking at it. Um, I think um, just getting back to the more kind of like appreciation of the movie. I think a film like this gives you a real appreciation for the fundamentals of film. You know mm. what I mean? When all you have to really rely on is the picture, and you know, every now and again they'll flash up like a little interstitial card that kind of says has some lines on it mm. or a plot point or something like that. But really, the film kind of lives or dies by what is happening on the screen. Mm-hmm. So if the actors aren't conveying it, or the kind of editing is off, or the plotting is off, then it makes no sense. Yeah. And this film makes perfect sense. Yep. And if anything, it was really nice and lean and completely to the point. There was never like a wasted moment where I thought, mm. oh man, this is, this is, come on, what wrap it up, guys. There was, you know, yeah. everything was there for a purpose. Every shot was like beautifully composed. Um, yeah, it just like I said, just gives you a real kind of appreciation for what a film is. It's the the, the bare bones, a skeleton of a film. Yeah. Um, well, that's one thing that I'll take away from my first, you know, pre nineteen, yeah, <laughs> pre nineteen sixties horror movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
yeah it's it's the you know we we don't have an issue with cgi if it's done well practical effects you know we love them um but a lot of films you know that uh, and unfortunately a lot in the horror genre nowadays um do tend to rely on that and it's just literally like shock and horror and gore but the story you know away from that would just be nothing so with have this a good grasp of the fundamentals yeah and this really does it's it's just really good like you know there's a lot of like <laughs> nods there's a lot of like foreshadowing of what's going to happen like you know um uh nanon at the beginning she's getting upset because you know uh she she's admitted to alonso that she doesn't like to be touched so she sees him as like a you know he's a he's a non um threatening guy you know because he's not going to try and grab her because as far as she's aware he has no arms um and uh you know she hugs and holds him and he is clearly longing for her and she's saying stuff like you know you are the one man that i can come to without fear um so you know she you know that she's dealing with a lot of stuff and she says you know god would show wisdom if he took the hands from all men and then she's like oh no not you like she's <laughs> <laughs> like, awkward um i just um i think they well let's just say it straight out of the bat it is quite a disturbing film mm-hmm. it's um definitely got some what's the word what's the word I'm looking for um maudlin kind of like yeah. uh, there's definitely some some psychosexual weirdness going yep. on it um and you know for a film from 1927 to be dealing with stuff like that is incredible mm-hmm. you know what I mean it's, it, it was much deeper than I was kind of expecting it to be yeah. I love the fact that um uh so Alonzo's got this kind of like buddy he hangs around with his name is Kojo mm-hmm. um uh and he's a like a little person yep. and um he basically points out the irony to Alonzo and I guess to the audience where he says well the thing is all you want in life is for um Manon to to love you um but then if she loves you then she'll want to hold you and if she wants to hold you then she'll discover that you're a that you're a fraud because she'll be able to feel your arms mm-hmm. so it's kind of like oh the sweet irony of yeah. like the one thing he wants in life that he's literally murdered for yeah. and is planning to murder again um the one thing he wants you know the reason that this woman might want him the fact that he has no arms is a lie so yeah. i don't know the closer she gets to him the more likely it is that he'll be found out yeah. to be a murderous fraud and he's just like no she'd forgive me she'd definitely forgive me and he was like no she'd hate you and you have two thumbs on one hand and that is like you've literally see she literally saw you strangling her father um but just didn't realize that it was you but as soon as you like unveil the fact that you have like two thumbs uh it's kind of weird um then you know he'll uh she'll realize who it is and she'll hate you forever um but then Kojo realizes that, like, while he's talking to him, he like lights the cigarette with his, uh, you know, like puts the cigarette in his mouth with his foot, lights the cigarette with his foot. But all the time, his arms are unstrapped because they're usually strapped under like a corset, which looks so uncomfortable. Oh my god, it looks so awful! And, it, and like he takes them off earlier on in the film, and you see him like massaging his arms to try and get the circulation background because he's just been like strapped in the whole time, and it's like really looks so uncomfortable. But Kojo then points out you've forgotten that you have arms because you've gotten so used to not using them and then you just see this look go across 
uh, Alonso face Lon Chaney's expressions like we said earlier they're so good he just literally you see this like realisation of oh I've been surviving so long without using my arms then why do I need them and if I get rid of them then I won't have to worry about her knowing that I killed her dad and I will be able to hold her and and she'll be with me because you know I don't need to touch her and she doesn't like being touched you see all that within like a matter of seconds yeah. this realisation just coming no across words. his face and it's just magical it's so so good I love that little interplay between him and Kojo as well where mm. Kojo obviously you see what you see well, you him realising you see that Kojo think... kind of cares for him like yeah, in a weird like... deep fucked up way just, despite the fact that he knows that Alonso is I guess like a serial killer like he's literally been murdering people like a lot because they say like he's um, a criminal but the poli- like, don't the police know if they that... say what he yeah, did he's yeah, on the did. run from the law he said the police the policeman who turns up after um, Alonso kills uh, Manon's father mm. they say oh um, we can tell that he's done all the other the He's done all the other burglaries and the murders that have got that have followed the trail of the circus because of he's got like two thumbprints ah. when he's killed people. So it's like he's literally like a serial killer, and Just even then traveling, yeah, along traveling, the the, traveling with the circus, and that, that and it's it like the creepy. perfect um, uh, cover because they're like, oh, there's a there's a uh, you know a strangler on the loose. But it couldn't possibly be Alonso the Armless because mm. that's the whole point. That's like where they're mm. like, they'll never suspect me. Yeah, um, which makes me think that Kojo knows about. He knows about. He knows that he's armless. Well, he and definitely, he knows he definitely that this knows. Is, he's... So he's either like just followed along with him, or he's learnt. But like Kojo is afraid of him because he knows what he's capable of. So he's like, I'll never tell. Like I, I promise, I'll never tell anyone. Well, the one thing that I did read, I, I, I didn't read much up about it, but I did read a couple of reviews. But one of them did say um, that one of the bits of the script that they shot that has since been lost hmm. was a scene where um, uh, Alonso kills Kojo mm. so that he doesn't reveal to anyone. And the doctor. And, and the doctor after yeah and the, and the doctor who he's blackmailed into yep. um, what the fuck did that doctor yeah, do I don't know this is the bit that I this is the only bit that I wasn't confused Everything did he say else remember so Algeria straight. yeah he said something like that or I like Algiers like, maybe like he's he was I, like a war yeah like a war doctor yeah like or he like, did some fucked up stuff over there yeah or yeah he was like oh you're blackmailing me is it, is it money that you want and he was like no I don't I just want you to lop off my arms please because that's what you do uh, yeah so that wasn't massively clear it was obvious that like the two of them had some history and he was but like I, you I, remember that, 20 that years ago that part I'm not so like bothered that they didn't shoot or give like any deeper explanation of I would have loved to have seen a scene especially the Doctor I'm not so fussed about but I would love to have seen a scene uh, between uh, a scene a scene between mm. uh, between uh, Kojo and Alonso where Alonso killed him because mm. you can see that Kojo has some some kind of caring for him he like mm. he loves him in his own way I guess yeah um, they're kind of like inseparable all yeah. the time together mm-hmm. um, so to see something play out between the two of them would have been great yeah um, especially because like I said one of my favourite bits in the whole movie is that bit where Kojo's kind of trying to convince Alonso not to have his arms taken off <laughs> and he was like so if that takes a lot of convincing like don't chop your arms off it's a really bad idea oh, okay <laughs> you, you know like a normal uh, like you know mentally sound person would not even like consider like oh to get the girl I need to chop my arms off <laughs> okay <laughs> she's not worth it yeah she's really not worth it <laughs> um, yeah but um, 
Yeah. I, I, let's go to. I think we're getting towards the ending now. Yeah, as definitely. Well. So, um, so basically, uh, there's this great, great scene where um, <laughs> she really blue balls Alonso. It's great. Mm. So basically, Manon's like, oh. Now that you're here, we can get married. And he's like, and I was like, that's, <laughs> that's totally misleading. That is a totally misleading way to put it. And she was like, oh no, not you and me. Uh, I meant me and um, uh, what's the name of the strong man again? Malabar. Malabar. Yeah, she's which just is like, an incredible name. So many facial expressions. He goes from like joy to hysteria, like a good a good few minutes of like manic laughter where they're sort of laughing along with him like ha ah, ha oh you were so confused you thought I meant marry you <laughs> but it's not in a mean way it's just you know like oh what a silly a silly mistake, a silly mistake. And, they're, and they're sort of like chuckling along like Malabar and Nanon just like was like ha ah, ha and, and it keeps cutting to Alonso and he's just becoming more and more manic in this face and it's so oh it's just yeah, it's so great. intense but so great and it's just intense rage and despair and you know like he can't tell her what he's given up for her he can't tell her like I mean if, if someone came along and was just like yeah we're getting married and he's just like you know <laughs> suddenly went uh well I lady I chopped my fucking arms off for you yeah seriously <laughs> Vincent Van Gogh's got nothing on yeah. me yeah um and then uh, they find out about Malabar's latest trick and it's all tied around you know like um she she then says you know oh, I used to be afraid of his hands and now I love them and she's like caressing his hands and like running them on her face and he's just like he looks, looks like, like he's, he's he literally looks like he's about to throw up or die or something and he sort of goes faint and then they're like oh wait wait like you know you're gonna be okay we'll show you Malabar's new trick and Malabar being the strong man obviously he decides that it's a really good idea I was like oh my god this is not good um, to strap himself to uh, one horse to each of his arms and have them running in opposite directions on treadmills treadmills, that, how treadmills that would be hidden from the audience so they think they're running kind of like full speed on the stage and he's using his strength to kind of like keep them in place but Which obviously, is not how running works but yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, like Scooby doing it yeah. but uh, obviously they're running on these treadmills so they're just kind of standing in place so all the audience are like ooh what a strong what a strong guy yeah watching through their opera glasses and stuff I love that but then bit. obviously uh, Alonso's like but what if uh, but what if the treadmills like uh, stop working and Malabar's like oh well they'd rip my arms off and he's like, <laughs> you're like oh, oh Malabar God, what have you done don't so obviously you can guess what happens the trick is performed in front of a live audience um, and Alonso basically rigs it so that the 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 uh... he doesn't he does it. it's another way he rigs it. It's like he's got some, there's some guy standing off to the side of the stage with this giant you know like the proper like railway Comical levers lever. like the huge levers, and um and he just goes hey. Uh, oh, I can't. Uh, I couldn't pick up Nanon's robe. Could you go and get it for me? And the guy goes, "Okay." It's not like I have a really fucking important job to do right now. I'll go and get that robe for you. So he just walks off into another room and gets locked in the room. And then Alonso is like leaning up against the lever, like grinning manically as he does it to stop one of them from going. And then the horse just goes nuts, and it's it's disturbing yeah, as fuck as well because it's not you just you see it the realisation on everyone's face it's so obviously uh, Malabar immediately is like something's wrong mm. um, and then you see kind of 
the the reaction of the other people who are kind of like waiting in the wings like they try and start calming the horses but the horses are still running and running and then you see the audience are like something's going wrong and then finally you see Manon who's kind of like been hamming it up and kind of like whipping the horses and then all of a sudden she realises something's wrong so it's kind of like that slow realisation of everyone like something's not right that's the one bit where like the the music really did work yeah, it yeah. was like whoa but one of the interesting things i thought is that we were like immediately um because we're so used to like a build up to that kind of destruction we were i was like literally going like are they actually going to like have some kind of effect where it looks like his arms oh been my pulled God, off i fucking wish i was waiting for that i was waiting for you know like ribbons of you know like in a really wooden looking limb to go flying across the stage or I something like that i wanted it to be like that scene in uh, the first adam's family where, uh, they, where pugsley and wednesday have this fake sword fight <laughs> and they're like <laughs> they're like limbs are come- of, yeah, yeah exactly that would have been amazing zone. Um, yeah, so I was waiting for that. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen, but it kind of works really. Like the yeah, uh, they cut away from it, and it's kind of like Reservoir Dogs. Like everything's kind of left to your imagination. Yeah. Um, and then you see the love that Manon has for Malabar. She gets down and she tries to start calming the horse. Who's like back on its back legs? Like, yeah, like rearing up win- and stuff. Whinnying. Yeah. Horses whinny, don't they? Yeah, that's yeah. kind of a noise, not a movement. Okay, but right, still. right. In a silent film, they're not really right, horsing, are they? Um, <laughs> um, and basically, uh, then he sees that she's about to get trampled by Alonso. Alonso sees that she's about to get trampled by this horse, and so he pushes out of the way, and then he falls to the ground, and then the horse full on stamps on his chest, and I was like, "Wow, how the fuck did they do that?" Yeah, it just would have been a mannequin or something. No, kind. it was definitely him. Mm-hmm. Maybe he well, was wearing like some crazy. Pa- no, there's no way. It was like he must have been wearing some crazy pad or something. Yeah. But they literally do like this huge <laughs> drum sound. Like they've had, you know, like the sort of timpani drum sounds going through, like boom, 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 all the way through it. And then it's just literally this one final one that's really loud. And it's at the exact moment that the horse just like onto his chest. It's it's really intense. Um, and then can you remember? So now it's the the very final shot where it's basically. Wind machine Malabar. and Malabar and Nanon just. Oh, so I guess he doesn't get up. his arms ripped off. No. Oh man. No. I was kind of like she I calms thought... him down because the horse isn't running. He's just standing. Yeah, but I thought spot. at that point he was already kind of dead because he was like leaning no. up against the pole, no. and I was like, no, of course he's not, no. Ollie, you dumb dumb. And um, yeah, so you get to see them sort of standing, you know, on a nice like verandary type thing, and like there's wind blowing and it's sort of blowing her skirt, so it looks like this beautiful plat, uh, you know, like what would you call it? Not plateau. What's it called? Vista. Mm, yes. Not not quite the word I was looking for, but, but a good it, yeah, word it will totally works. Well done. Um, yeah, and they're you know like obviously like either newly married or about to get married, and you know like very much in love and everything else. And then it's like the end. I'm yeah, like, but there's oh. a, there's a really nice like card that flashes up at the end. And it's like I can't remember the exact words, but they're basically oh, it's like. like if I lived to be 10 million years old I'd still lo- I'd still say I love you oh no but I meant more the other one where it was like they were talking about how each of them met their fate it was like mm. one person met it, she she met um uh oh wow what was it it was something like um he met her he met his um it was like death love and hate basically yeah, like was... she met she met her um, it was it was basically like along the lines of her hate turned into love, whereas 
Alonso's hate turned into death. Alonso's love turned into death because yeah. it was um, his love for uh, for Nanon which led to him doing what he did, and her hate for um, being touched uh, led to led to love. Yeah. And yeah, so it was like a weird, not a moral, but you know, a, a, like this is the concluding part, basically. Um, but... In in conclusion, mm. I really enjoyed this. Yep. Um, <coughs> I think it's almost hard to judge it against like something we like. You can't compare this to like Brain Dead. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like they couldn't be two more different movies if you tried. Um, but I have such a kind of appreciation for what they are able to achieve with basically one sense mm-hmm. you know what i mean just with the visuals they they portray all of these different emotions you can see exactly what's going through the characters heads at each at each time and the fact that it's a real dark disturbing fucked up movie yep. and it was made in the 1920s yep i mean i still got the same <clears throat> feeling like i know that you're not you're not a fan and it's completely completely so far away from the list um but uh that bit in um Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet where she is like Juliet is waking up from the from the poison or the sleeping draft and she sees him and I and like every time I've watched that film dozens of times over the years and you want her to reach up and touch his face so that he knows that she's alive and you know that it's okay and um and that he doesn't need to kill himself and um i had that same feeling when you're cutting between uh alonzo talking to the uh the doctor and saying i want to have my arms cut off and cutting to nanon and malabar and their sort of blossoming relationship and i was like no like i really wanted to like shout at alonzo like don't do it you don't have to cut your arms off like it's okay and yeah i uh, like to get that from like you know there's no um you know uh dialogue where it's you know like really discussing their feelings or anything like that it was just this sort of build-up of like oh my god don't do it like don't 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 <clears throat> and yeah it, it totally sucked me in for like a film that's less than an hour long with no uh no spoken words in it whatsoever it's it had like a proper effect it was yeah it's well, I, so think, good. I think you're right when you say when you kind of compare it to like Romeo and Juliet there is a lot of like Shakespearean elements in it it's mm-hmm. kind of like it's proper tragic yeah. it's, it's a real tragedy and you end up like I said you end up feeling sorry I mean I don't know whether our feelings would have been different if we had that beginning uh, 14 minutes of um, you know learning about uh, Alonso's criminal history before he became the armless wonder and whether we would have that much sympathy for him because we realized that he's actually a horrible person but then he made a he made a living out of playing like amazing misunderstood monsters he played like the phantom of the opera it was like all unrequited love hunchback of notre dame again you know like it's all you know like he loves this woman who doesn't love him back and you know he's like this horrible disfigured monster and mm. so it it's kind of you know it ended up being a lot of the movies that he would do were all this you know like hopeless longing from this horrible monster person um who could never have the girl that he loves mm. and it kind of you know they all end up like that so yeah he made a good career out of uh yeah. out of 
unrequited love. But, I mean, it, it, if you looked at it now, if you were to make a film like this now, it just would not work whatsoever. I mean, I don't mean just the silence and the black and white and, you know, um, all of those sorts of things. But if you think literally about the story, so it is a guy who is uh, a criminal on the run. He has joined the circus and he has unrequited love for a woman who thinks that he has no arms and he is psychotic in his love to the point where he's like attempting to um uh mess up chances because uh, he encourages malabar earlier on to you know like just grab nanon and tell her how you feel and everything like that don't and not, obviously don't knowing permission just grab her yeah exactly and it's this whole thing and then later on you have um uh uh, Malabar telling Nanon you know like he realises like what her hang ups are and what her issues are and he's like don't worry I'll just um, I'll just be basically hanging around until you come round which is just really quite you know like obviously yeah. it's that's me paraphrasing but he essentially says you know like I will always be here just waiting until you're ready and it's like okay like if someone did that now or like did it in a film now you'd just be like that guy's a creep like please stay away from him because he is proper creepy and uh this should not happen mm. but in this you're like he's really sweet and like you know he loves he clearly loves her and he's being respectful and you know all of this kind of stuff and it's yeah it's it just would not work in these these modern days no i think sometimes when you try and view things from you know view things from the past using the modern prism it kind of like makes Does not it work. <laughs> totally kind of skews them like that guy's a total fucking weirdo mm-hmm. um but yeah uh i loved it yep. uh, did it shit you up it didn't shit me up but it definitely um had the it definitely had the power to like evoke those emotions in me like mm. i was watching it just like really feeling for all of them and I, I have to admit, you know, like I was intrigued by watching this because I knew that I don't, like I said earlier, I don't know much about silent film. Um, so I was intrigued to see how well this would come across. And like Joan Crawford, obviously great actor. Um, Lon Chaney, amazing actor, you know. And, and Todd Browning is like, uh, you know, just like such a strange genius guy with like the amount of films that he's done which mm. i really really want to delve into a bit more well we've but got the, we've got the freaks coming up at some point we do point, have freaks we? coming up but um and uh oh we don't have the bella lugosi dracula we have the christopher lee dracula i always forget that part but he did he did that um but did you know that he actually based this story on real life this is based on a real story yeah so Todd Browning was from a very well-to-do family in America I think his uncle was like a professional baseball player and his parents were like very you know well off and stuff but he suddenly decided at age 16 that he was going to run off and join the circus Mm. he's a very fascinating man from the bits that I've read about him I'm sure there's a lot of uh, information out there about him he also comes from a time when Todd's were hardcore not soft he only had one D his real name his real name isn't Todd though (laughs) His real name is Charles. Oh, man. (laughs) I believe it's Charles, if I remember rightly. But yeah, he changed it to Todd when he he joined the circus at age 16. Um, So he was in a circus, and he uh, ended up meeting a guy uh, who was evading the police by working in the circus as an acrobat. Um, I don't think the whole armless thing was... uh, part of it or the unrequited love for the ringmaster daughter or anything like that but um yeah they, it, he sort of had that like obviously in the back of his head somewhere like that there would be um 
you know a story in there somewhere so he took that little part of it and made this awesome little film so wow, that's cool yeah any other facts today uh, or no you... i think that's pretty much it just like i definitely recommend it as we said go to uh, tinyurl.com slash watch the unknown and you'll be able to watch the whole movie uh on us so you're welcome um uh... <laughs> Make sure you uh, leave us a review, a rate yeah. and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Uh, and yeah, like I said, go and uh, get on in, involved with the giveaway over on Instagram. Um, it will we'll be, be giving, coming up soon. Yeah, we'll be giving away some nice prizes, so keep an eye on that. Uh, and you won't even really have to do much. It's one no. of those competitions where you just get you get paid <laughs> for sitting on your butt. Yay! Um, so... Um, next week yeah next week what we got coming up next week is number 87 uh, this is uh, oh we're going back up, back all the way up to 2001 so we're jumping around a, a little does this, bit does that not say 2007 no 2001 okay this is my weird joined up numbers don't don't judge me on my joined up numbers oh, I'm, so, I'm, not one to, into, I'm not one to judge got on, me into person, trouble on a in person's the handwriting <laughs> Um, I probably look like I fucking write with Alonso the Armless Wonders there. Yeah, you with write with your feet, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so this is number 87 on the list. This uh, like Coming up next week is Session 9, um, like I said, 2001, not 2007. Um, and this is uh, asbestos workers working in an abandoned mental asylum and weird things start to happen. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Like it's a modern one that I, well, modern, like seventeen years old, eighteen years old. Yeah. That I've not seen. Um, yeah. So we haven't really had like a good like ghost story one yeah. yet so far, have we? Mm, kind of have the Babadook. Well, Babadook's kind of paranormal, isn't it? Like yeah. supernatural. I want like a, an abandoned Ghosty. mental asylum though. Yeah, that's that's that's, how, that's what I think of when I think of a ghost story. Yeah, so I'm ready for it. Yeah. So so yeah, let us know um, at Behind the Sofa Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Um, have you seen it? Did you like it? Would you watch it? Um, we'll we'll put up places where you can either buy it, rent it, or if we can find it, we'll put it up for you to watch. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that. That will be out next Monday. Right. Well, I think that about wraps us up. So from Behind the Sofa, good night. <laughs>